With your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. We were able to get Matt Costa in the studio here tonight because we started so late because of the Red Sox. So it's nice to see you here at the beginning of the show, Matt. That's weird. I miss you. It's different. I don't see you at all anymore. Teardrop. Yes. Sad face. Emoticon. Colon. Sad face. Open parentheses. <laughs> so how you been? Uh, hanging in. Hanging out. There you go. That's you got to do what you got to do, and that's what we had to do tonight. We kind of had to do what we had to do. I just want to warn everybody, uh, the internet and I are not friends today, so it's been causing me all kinds of problems across the board, so I expected to follow through and continue during the program. But uh, we will talk about the paranormal, as we do each and every Saturday night, even though we'll only be doing it for a little while tonight. We have our guest, Dr. Kirby Surprise, will be joining us in just a little while to talk about his book, Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. That's the title of the book. Moniz is directing, so he's going to switch over to the camera there on Spooky TV. There you go. So uh, if you are listening to the show at home, you can jump on the internet and watch the show at Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. We can jump in the chat room and join in the discussion with everybody as well. And it's a good place to go because there's all kinds of stuff you can do on the website, including, have you heard about this, Matt Costa? The, the Stitcher app? I haven't app? heard anything. The Stitcher app that we have. You can download Stitcher for your smartphone or your iPad. And uh, if you do, you can actually go into how you heard about the show when you download the, download the app from Stitcher. And it's going to ask you when you register how you heard about the show. If you enter in the code SPOOKYSC, then you'll be entered once you play an episode of our show you'll be entered to win a hundred dollar cash card from stitcher so do you have stitcher on your phone matt i don't know yet well then there you go download it type in spooky sc and you'll be entered to win a hundred dollars is that fair we we discussed this last week we debated it last week we decided it is sorry i can't hear myself all right i think i think you should do it i'll do it right now and if you win we'll, we'll order pizza or something so uh, And also, I have some exciting news here, and I've got to ask you guys about this because we haven't had a chance to talk about it off the air, so I'll ask you right now on the air. I don't know if you guys remember a while back we had uh, Christopher Corotino on, formerly known as Christopher Lutz, yeah. and he was talking about having a paranormal pay-per-view on Halloween where he would tell the true story of the Amityville Horror from his perspective over a pay-per-view service. Well, he did do that, and it was, uh, it was very successful. But uh, while we were trying to help him out with producing that, we actually looked into, I looked into getting our Ustream account, which carries Spooky TV, to allow us to have pay-per-view access. And lo and behold, four months later, they finally got back to me and said that, yes, we are approved for pay-per-view access. So we can actually have pay-per-view events on SpookySouthCoast.com. And, of course, being the philanthropists that we are, philanthropy, whatever. I didn't think about, you know, how could we use this to make money for ourselves because that's not what this show is all about. I said, there's got to be a way we can raise some money for charity doing this. And my thoughts immediately went to the original 
Backyard Podcast. Oh, no. Still one of the most talked about episodes of Spooky South Coast. If you've never heard it, you can go to all of our archives on iTunes or on uh, on SpookySouthCoast.com, wherever you get the show and you can listen to it. It's, it's from our first year, and it was uh, one of our first couple of months. I think it was June of 2006. So we're coming up on the sixth anniversary of that podcast. And it's it caused a lot of controversy, a lot of debate. <laughs> it caused a lot of fun, a lot of merriment and mirth. And it caused a lot of hangovers, at least for the three of us, after we did it. And it caused a fire. So, yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with a show like that. So I was thinking, what if we brought this back as a pay-per-view event? Just charge a couple of dollars, you know, just a few dollars from those who wanted to view it. And then all the money that we raised could go to charity. Okay. And, you know, minus, of course, we'll take out the cost of the booze and any grills that we might burn down in the making of the podcast. So much for the charity. Yeah, well. <laughs> and uh, what we'll do is we'll put it up there. And then the way this works is it'll be able to be carried through after the live event happens. You'll still be able to purchase the, the show to watch on a pay-per-view basis. So it'll be able to keep generating money. Uh, for a charity, which we'll talk about. I think it should probably be something local. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with all the tornado victims, and our hearts and prayers go out to them, but I think there's a lot of local people we could help on a, on a local level. So we'll talk about this a little bit more specifics later on, but I just think it's a good opportunity to do this. It's something people have been clamoring for. They've been asking for another one. I don't know why. Well, I volunteer my place. I think as long as you have a good Internet connection, we can do it at yeah. your house. And I was thinking, uh, Chopswood is already on board. He's writing a song for it. I got plenty of room and stuff. We can set up the band, do and all kinds of stuff. I was thinking, yeah, maybe we could have an EVP's performance. We'll get Jeff Belanger to come down. You know, I'm sure he'd be happy to come and drink some beers and let his hair down, so to speak. And uh, we'll we'll just have some fun and we'll collect all that money and put it to charity. So even if we only raise fifty bucks, you know, it still goes to a good cause and we have a good time. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have an announcement about that later on. I'm thinking we probably won't be able to do it till like Memorial Day weekend anyway because we need a lot of time to plan and, you know, we don't want to do it off the cuff <laughs> like the last time we did it. Look how that worked out. All right, how about we have, uh, we have about seven minutes until the news uh, and then after that we'll be joined by our guest, Dr. Kirby Surprise, to talk about synchronicity, the art of coincidence, choice, and unlocking your mind. And then a little bit later on in the show... We're going to do some science experiments here in the spooky studio. Actually, they're currently running. <laughs> they are, but we'll talk about them a little bit later on because there's a lot of talk going around this week about extra gravity, about the alignment of the planets, about solar flares, about the equinox, about all these different reasons why gravity is a little bit messed up this week. So we're going to actually do some experiments right here in the studio, and uh, that's actually the broom that Moniz wrote here on. So, But uh, before we do that, let's do some really quick... Weak and weird. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today. What's so wonderful? Weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> the weak and weird. All right, we have a couple of quick stories this week. Uh, first, a California preacher who convinced thousands of followers that the world would end has posted an online letter conceding he has no evidence of an impending apocalypse and he will no longer predict global doom. An emissive posted Thursday on his independent ministry's site, 90-year-old Harold Camping 
said he was asking for forgiveness for his sin in predicting Judgment Day, and he has stopped trying to pinpoint future dates. The retired civil engineer had originally forecast that some 200 million people would be saved when the globe was destroyed back on May 21st. Uh, actually, he first predicted it in 1994, but yeah. the one that had everybody talking was back on May 21st. It came and went, and uh, you know, camping never came out and spoke about it afterwards. Well, he claimed that uh, he was hospitalized after suffering a mild stroke and spent months recuperating, and now that he's feeling better, he's decided to address it. And uh, he said, God has humbled us through the events of May 21st. We also must openly acknowledge that we have no new evidence pointing to another date for the end of the world. So uh, he did say, we realize that many people are hoping they will know the date of Christ's return. We humbly acknowledge we were wrong about the timing. So just as we thought, you know, May 21st came and went, no apocalypse. And of course... They pass it off as, well, it must have just been God's will. He decided to change it. Are you surprised at all, Moniz, about that, that camping even came out and made a statement? No, not really. Really? Because I was surprised. I thought he was just going to kind of go away into the background and never really talk about it again. We would never hear from him again. But apparently he's been still hosting his radio show and things like that. So this is the first time he's decided to, to speak about this May 21st prediction. Uh, I will predict this, though. Doomsday is probably coming soon for old Harold because he is 90 years old and in failing health. So maybe he was thinking about his own impending judgment day and not that of everybody. Possible. I'm not wishing him ill will. I'm just mentioning it as a possibility. All right, and our second story comes from Dakota City. Parents think twice before nagging your children to finish their meal. The McDonald's McNugget, bearing the resemblance of George Washington, sold for $8,100 on eBay Monday. The owner, Rebecca Spade of Dakota City, said she noticed it while cleaning up the uneaten portion of her kids' meals after they hit the play area at the McDonald's in Sioux City. So uh, she put it up on eBay when the bidding ended. They had no uh, no response to an email, of course, seeking payment, but the winning bid was for $8,100. And uh, I've seen a picture of this chicken McNugget, and it does, it does kind of look like um, George Washington. I mean, I'm sure that over the years I've probably gotten chicken McNuggets that resemble famous figures. But I would never know because I'm usually sitting in a dark room by myself eating them in shame <laughs> and just shoving them in my mouth one right after the other. So I, I would have no idea, but I'm pretty sure that a George Washington dipped in delicious honey mustard with uh, hot mustard sauce. What do you like better? What's your favorite McNugget sauce? Um, I think I like the honey mustard. Do you? What, yeah, what? it's good. Uh, I'm partial to the barbecue. Barbecue. See, that's that's usually one of people's least favorites. For me, it was always the hot mustard, but then recently they introduced that sweet chili sauce. Man, that stuff is good. I don't even get. I don't even get McNuggets anymore. I just get a McChicken, and put it on. I put it on my you, gangbang. You still, you still ask for Mighty Wings? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't. Ever since they found that chicken head in them, <laughs> I, the Mighty Wings just haven't been the same. So I wonder if the reason why I'm sounding terrible is because I'm talking into the wrong part of my microphone. Is that better? Does that sure, sound yes, better? It sounds. Yeah. All right, well, that does it for the Week in Weird for this week. If you have any stories you'd like to share with us, you can just email them, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And if you send them to us, we use them on the show. I think we still have some bumper stickers left. We'll send you some. And uh, if not, we can always take this one down from over in the corner of the studio. So uh, it's been an interesting week. Definitely has been. Uh, tickets are moving for a graveyard shift at Slater Mill, the next Legend Trips event. They're still available, though. We still do have some available at legendtrips.com. We also have that special room rate going on at the Comfort Inn of Pawtucket. You can get a room for $79, not just the night of the event, but also for the entire weekend. So any night in the weekend that you want to stay there, you can get that room for $79. Not a bad deal at all. It's only a mile away from Slater Mill, so you don't even have to drive. You can just walk back after the event. 
But uh, Matt Costa, how did things go when we were gone? I, I recently started listening to that show. Uh, I put it up this past week uh, on the podcast. How how, how were things? Seemed uh, like seemed like there were some technical issues. <laughs> it was interesting as always, you know. But well, I think it went well. I did. Yeah. It was it was a very interesting conversation. I'll say this though: the technology yeah. that you use for that episode pales in comparison to the movie I watched last night. I watched the original 1960 13 Ghosts uh, in full Illusiono uh, effect. Uh-huh. I, have you ever seen the movie? I, I have. I don't know what the Illusiono effect they is. They gave you a ghost viewer when you went to see it in the theater. And yeah. It was basically the two lenses of a 3D viewer. And if you looked to the red, you saw the ghost. And if you looked to the blue, you wouldn't see the ghost. So if you believed in ghosts, you looked to the red. If you didn't believe or didn't want to believe, you looked to the blue. And I did it with a pair of 3D glasses that I had in my house. Man, you can see them anyway. But you can see them a lot better with the red viewer and you can see them it blocks them out pretty good with the blue viewer so it was really fun I heartily recommend it I also heartily recommend that you stay tuned because coming up after the news we're going to be talking with tonight's guest Dr. Kirby Surprise about synchronicity the art of coincidence choice and unlocking your mind plus a whole bunch more we've got science experiments right here in the spooky studio we'll also take your calls as well so stay tuned for more coming up after the news here on Spooky South Coast South Coast Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We're ready to get right into the discussion with tonight's guest, Dr. Kirby Surprise. He received his doctorate in psychology in 2007 from the Institute for Integral Studies in San Francisco, his master's in psychodynamic and transpersonal psychology from JFK University in 1988. Dr. Surprise received his license as a psychologist in 2009 and currently works in an advanced outpatient program for the state of California. The inspiration from his current writing comes from his lifelong experiences with synchronistic events, an interest in psychology, metaphysics, philosophy, history, and science, and surprises his original family name, and he's received more than a few interested comments on the coincidence of a book on synchronicity written by a psychologist named Dr. Surprise. But Dr. Surprise, we've discovered on this show, there are no surprises. So uh, welcome to the program, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me on. And I'm very interested in talking with you tonight about synchronicity because it's something that years ago... I never would have really given much thought to, but through works like yours and through just paying attention to what seems to be the randomness of events, I started to realize maybe things are a lot more interconnected than I thought they were. Well, indeed. Not only is, uh, are many things interconnected, but uh, you know, we process the information re- we receive to produce meaning as well. When you first started putting together the things for this book, I mean... Did you start to see a lot more connections in your own life than you thought existed previously, or had you already discovered these before you started putting pen to paper? Um, I had been experiencing them for about 30 years before I decided to write about them. Uh, one of the hallmarks of the phenomenon seems to be that the more you pay attention to them, the more they occur. So uh, during the writing of the book, a lot of them showed up to actually illustrate the points I was making. That was kind of fun. <laughs> well, when putting this all together, was it a matter of... 
I mean, by putting out, are you putting out the vibes of actually doing this work and kind of causing more attention to yourself cosmically, cosmically by doing that? Well, you know, there's a presupposition with a lot of people that, you know, synchronicity is like the cosmos guiding you or offering you information or doing something for you. I'm coming at it from more of a, a purely psychologist version, which is that, you know, most of uh, what we are, our brain's autom- systems are automated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the part of, that we think of as us is about the size of the walnut, of a walnut up on the frontal lobe in the very front. And that's the conscious part, the, car- the part that you experience is like being in the room and listening to the radio. Uh, the rest of the brain are support systems. Uh, it's the universe's largest and most complex supercomputer. And it's there to process information from the environment and, you know, feed that information forward to you. So a lot of synchronicity is those automated systems highlighting in the environment patterns that it thinks you're looking for. Which is interesting because that's something we talk about a lot in the paranormal aspect of things. We talk about kind of our brain's need to find patterns and recognizable patterns in randomness. And that that's a lot of people think that's what accounts for electronic voice phenomena and anomalous photographs and video is that your mind is kind of just looking for those patterns. And it, it just seems like it's something that we're just subconsciously, we, we can't control it. It's just, it's its natural tendency. Well, the thing is, though, it's very controllable. You know, the, the frontal lobe, the part that you think is you, it, the rest of the brain takes its cue on how to process information from you, from what you tell it is important and what's not important. Um, for instance, uh, any random event can give people different emotional reactions. You know, some people will see a dog on the street and pet it and be delighted, and some people will become hysterical and fearful. Mm-hmm. That's because the front part, us, cues the rest of the brain on which emotions and which reactions are valid and which ones are not. And the rest of the automated systems, you know, watch that and will highlight things in the environment depending on what we say is important. Hmm. Now, the, the, you know, paranormal is an interesting term. I, I would la- rather say that synchronicity is more like absolutely normal. Sure. The, the premise of what I'm saying is that we also, on top of this, our supercomputer's ability to highlight patterns, we also actually change the environment. Uh, Dr. Ryan, for instance, was working you know, for 50 years watching people do dice and coin tosses and found that people have a 3 to 5% ability to change the randomness of events around them. Now, when people say, okay, well, you can tweak the outcome of a coin toss 5%, the assumption used to be that, well, there must be some kind of telekinetic physical force moving the dice. Well, it's actually a lot more interesting and strange than that. What's happening is you're actually changing the randomness of the universe around you to reflect what you're paying attention to, what you're looking for. What I'm saying in the book I've just written is that everyone is walking around in clouds of synchronicities all the time. The environment around you reflects back to you your thoughts and emotions as synchronistic events. And it's normal. It's something that, you know, every single person does all the time. For instance, I'm sure you've had people on your show that have had, well, maybe strange religious, religious or political views. I mean, not ours, mind you, but, you know, somebody else's views. Sure. Um, what people do is they make assumptions. They have thoughts about the environment. And then these automated systems look for those patterns. At the same time, those things they're looking for show up 
more often. That 3 to 5% influence rate you have on random events, well, it's not just the way dice come up. It's your emotions. It's the patterns of your thoughts. It's your complete internal process. The environment around us really is very much a mirror. But it's not, you know, as some of the New Agers think, a create-your-own-reality situation. We don't create the reality, reality, but we do have influence over it. So there's two factors of synchronicity. One, the brain is sort of photoshopping reality for you, highlighting some pattern, deleting others, and you have about a 5% influence on the randomness of events in the actual objective universe as well. Well, it, you mentioned, you know, the idea of impacting your environment, and I wonder how much of this uh, coincides with what the opposite view of what you're talking about might be when people might call the blue car syndrome, where, you know, you go out and you buy like a blue Honda and all of a sudden all you see on the road is blue Hondas. So you're like, wow, there's a lot of these blue Hondas out there. There aren't really any more blue Hondas than there were before. It's just that now that you have identified with one, you identify more readily with others. Well, that's true. However, there actually is, you know, a lot of scientific evidence that says you also are probably causing about 5% more blue Hondas than they used to be. I like that. Yeah. So it's not an either-or. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of a balance. I like the idea that, you know, what you choose in a car could directly affect it, because that means that you're stylish and cool, because you bought the car that everybody else is going to have, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you're an individual. <laughs> well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the New Age philosophies uh, a moment ago, and I, I think... People might tie in the idea of synchronicity with a lot of this New Age stuff that's come about in the last 20, 30 years, but this actually goes back a lot further. Yeah, um, you know, our ancient ancestors did this. This is the core of all magical belief. You know, um, the oldest cave paintings uh, in the world in France have shamans dancing in stag masks, and they were clearly trying to make the game come to the hunters. You know, our earliest ancestors always knew that there's some connection between our internal states and the external environment, and they've always been seeking an edge. I mean, people have been creating talismans and chanting things and, you know, creating deities and doing all kinds of things to try to give themselves a survival edge. Well, in fact, the edge is built into us evolutionarily. Uh, All people change the environment a little bit. You know, depending on what you're looking for and what you're thinking about, those patterns show up about 5% more in the environment. Um... Until, you know, until maybe the last 20 years, there was no way of explaining why that was happening, though. So it sort of remained, you know, in the world of superstition and mythology and, you know, guesswork. Now there's actually some pretty rational explanations for how it's possible. Well, if you're able to have that 5% influence on your environment, how can you utilize that to your advantage then? Is there a way that if you know you can have this kind of impact, can you make things happen the way that you want them to? Can you kind of use the secret to use something that's uh, a term that's been overblown over the past few years? Yeah, the secret was sort of the fantasy version. Mm -hmm. The reality version is um, you're looking at reflections of your own thoughts. Now, to some degree... The unconscious has a lot more information than the conscious does. I mean, no, it's like 20 times the size of the conscious area of your brain. Um, what you can do is this. Uh, l- let's look at for a second how this evolved. So our remote ancestors were basically grassland hunters. We were these, you know, short little guys with spears on the savannas of Africa looking out over these waving plains of grass with the patterns in them. 
you know, with the clouds overhead, we're casting shadows, and everything out there on the grass was camouflaged. And your job was to figure out which patterns meant throw your spear and feed your family, and which patterns meant the lion is going to eat you. What our brains evolved to do was twofold. One was to look at all these millions of patterns, filter out the ones that were not necessary, and then look at the patterns that were sort of incomplete and fill in the details. So right now, the reality you're experiencing, you are not looking at the outside world. What you're doing is living in a representation built by the brain in memory. You have trillions, excuse me, billions of sensors, your nerve endings pointing into the environment. They're all digital, like little computers. They feed trillions of signals a second up to the brain. It's a huge supercomputer. And it constructs a model of the outside world in memory. And that's what you're sitting in. You're sitting in a neurological representation of the outside world. You're not sitting in the actual thing. That representation only has a fraction of the actual patterns that are out there available. You delete most of it because the brain is only showing you what you said is important in the past. Now, you can highlight certain types of patterns. Now, our grassland hunter, if he was interested in antelope, the brain would be looking out into the patterns in the grass you know, with these millions of shifting, you know, you know interrelationships, mm-hmm. and would be filtering for things that possibly look like the camouflage of an antelope out in the grass. And it would even be doing this sort of photoshopping thing where it would enhance patterns. It would add things in that weren't really there. A lot of what you're experiencing right now is actually a hallucination because your brain is filling in bits based on available information and completing the picture for you. Now, our hunter also had the advantage of if he's looking for the antelope, there's about a 5% you know, increase in odds that he's going to find what he's looking for because he's changing the patterns around him as well. He's actually moving into probabilities of those patterns of this. That's a little more complicated version based on string theory. Now, in our modern life, when we see things, you know, when we get the idea that we can change the environment, people will say, well, what's holding me back from doing this? And how can I get past my, you know, fear of whatever? The problem is what shows up in the environment is a very direct reflection. So if you want to concentrate on what's keeping you from doing something, the 5% increase you're going to get is what is keeping you from doing it. Uh-huh. If, you, if you're a hunter, if you merely look for the pattern that you want to show up, not you know how to get over your blocks and inhibitions, but how to like find what you're actually looking for, then that works to your advantage. So you know if you know you're looking for a date and. Instead of, you know, focusing on, you know, what's wrong with me or what's wrong with you, just look for to meet somebody. There's a greater chance that it'll happen. And it works with any pattern. The direct, you know, it's not intelligently directed in that anything is creating this for us. We do it. So um, as a psychologist, I work with a lot of psychotic and delusional clients. And one of the typical things I find is someone will come in and, you know, They'll have been branded maybe paranoid schizophrenic. And if I'm interviewing them and I don't see the other symptoms, sometimes I get stories like, well, you know, I started seeing these patterns and coincidences in the environment, and then radios and TV started to talk to me, and 
I realized it was God and I had a special mission, but I can't figure out what it is. And, you know, guys like this over time, you know, their friends leave them and they lose their jobs. And what's actually happening is someone noticed a coincidental event. Maybe they were thinking something and the announcer on the radio said something that indicated he read that thought and was commenting on it. Mm-hmm. It's called the thoughts of reference in psychiatry. Now, uh, the person will have heard that and went, wow, that was amazing. That couldn't possibly have been a coincidence. How did that happen? How is it possible? And often the only explanation people can come up with is something like, well, it must have been God. Well, the problem is your thoughts reflect directly like a mirror. So the next set of coincidences you see will seem to confirm that it was God talking to you. Or I've seen people thinking that UFOs are reading their thoughts or government, you know, um, telepaths were inserting thoughts in their head or all kinds of different stuff. It all depends on, you know, what their first explanation was. Now, if the people are not truly delusional, you know, if they're merely following the reflections of their own thoughts, you can actually tell them to look for a different pattern and teach them they're creating these themselves. You know, and then teach them that everybody has this ability. Everybody walks around in clouds of synchronistic events that mirror their own beliefs back to them all the time. Just that some people wind up chasing their tail like little puppy dogs. You know, they, they believe what they think. They see the reflection. They think that that means it's real. Uh, one of the things about... Uh, you know, books, you know, books like The Secret or the Synchronicity books that advise using synchronicity as an advisor, you know, let this cosmic influence direct your life. Absolutely not. Synchronistic events reflect your choice of what you're thinking about and feeling and your unconscious processes, you know, your psychodynamic stuff, plus your transpersonal stuff as well. It all gets reflected. And people get messages that are basically their unconscious projected into the environment. So, you know, the synchronistic events, they're as smart as you are. They have the same amount of insight that you do because ultimately you're causing them. It's you. It's, it, that's an interesting dichotomy, too, when you were discussing the idea of the paranoid schizophrenics or, or those who have these problems with connecting with reality as we think we know it is here you're writing a book that's about how we can create our own reality uh, but at the same time we're telling other people that their version of reality isn't correct i mean how do how do you balance the two of those in in your work and in your research okay well um the example of the guy i was giving who had been plagued by thoughts that you know god was harassing him mm-hmm. okay. so he came in and uh, he had been one of my jobs is I, I do complete assessments on people. I read all their records and I interview them and I come up with the actual diagnosis. And, you know, this particular guy, schizophrenias have a flavor to them. You know, there's other neurological things going on. There's other things wrong with the brain that you can see, you know, when you're interviewing them. So I was interviewing this guy and he was definitely depressed, but there was no other cognitive disturbances. He, wasn't, he didn't hallucinate and, you know, he didn't have some grandiose version of himself as a savior or... or you know, he seemed pretty normal, except he was depressed and reporting synchronistic events. So uh, what I told... Now, truly delusional people, you can't change their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to believe that there's, you know, raccoons living in their head or whatever it is, regardless of what the proof is. But this guy seemed reasonable, so I told him, look, he said he was talking to television sets, that, you know, whatever was on TV, 
he would focus on it, and it was talking directly to him. This works with radio broadcasts, by the way, in case any of your listeners want to try. Um, so what I told him was, okay, instead of talking to God through the television set, I want you to go back to your room, and I want you to listen to it as if it's Bugs Bunny talking to you. And, you know, he was, you know, kind of, you know, what are you talking about? I said, look, this is a mirror. You're seeing your thoughts, and you've put a personality behind those thoughts because the brain can do that. You know, we estimate what other people think and believe. So go talk to a cartoon character. And he came back the next week and was like, oh, my God, I've been talking to myself for 30 years. Because the synchronistic events, because he looked for Bugs Bunny personality, they started responding to him that way. And this is especially useful when people think that, you know, their coincidences are ominous or threatening or scary or whatever. Well, you know, instead of making them from a scary source, look for them from a funny source. Mm-hmm. You know, and what you're actually doing is talking to those automated systems in your brain. Because, you know, the brain is vast and intelligent. It's a living thing. It's actually smarter than the conscious part is. And, you know, so if you look for a pattern, even something as sophisticated as, personality talking to you through events, you will generate it. You'll be able to create it. Of course, with this book now, you've ruined dozens of murderers' attempted defenses for themselves of saying, you know, the devil made them do it, or, you know, it was the demons that were telling them to kill somebody because you're essentially forcing them to point that mirror back at themselves. Well, you know, I tend to give truly psychotic people more of a break than that. I mean, I've worked with hundreds of actual murderers. And, uh, most mentally ill people are not dangerous at all. I mean, the, the mental illness and criminality are a completely separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the guys I've talked to, uh, a lot of them have been completely psychotic when they killed somebody. You know, uh, you know whether it's you know induced by methamphetamines or you know untreated schizophrenia or a lot of things. You know, it happens. You know, some people truly are crazy when they kill somebody. But you know, mental illness and synchronicity are completely separate from dangerous behavior. You know, the sanest person in the world is producing synchronistic events. You know, it's a matter of what you believe. You know, um, I guess the bo- the bottom line is that, you know, you get to choose. You get to choose, you know, how you react to things, and you get to choose what you believe. You know, and, you know, when somebody who's truly psychotic, say, has killed somebody, you know, you give mental health treatment. You know, you try to bring them back to sanity, but then, you know, they're still responsible for what they did. One of the things that I found the most interesting about the book, and uh, we are talking with Dr. Kirby Surprise, the author of Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. One of the things that I found most interesting about it is I've heard people, especially doing the show for the last six-plus years now, I've heard a lot of people talking about how we are part of a greater whole. We're part of a greater fabric, and sometimes I have a hard time buying into that. I have a hard time seeing how individuals who live in their individualized world and we all have our own ego and our own, you know, reason for being, uh, I, I kind of had trouble seeing a lot of the patterns. But with this idea, with the synchronicity idea, it's easier to see how you aren't just living as a separate being and how you are part of a greater collective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think people, you know, synchronistic events, I like to call them like mini-satori. In, in Zen Buddhism and philosophy, in the, there's uh, an experience called satori where the inside and the outside kind of blend and the distinctions disappear. You know, it's that, you know, 
make me one with everything joke. You know, the Dalai Lama goes up to the hot dog stand and says, make me one with everything. Well, you know, the, the question is usually asked about in, as if it's enlightenment, as um, how do you know when you're enlightened? You know, it's like, how do you get there? Well, what I'm saying is that everybody's already there, basically, that um, there is no separation, that, you know, individuality is an illusion created by your brain processes, and that there's nothing scary about that, that, you know, even science now is, has been telling us since Einstein, there's only one big energy field, that's all there is. You know, in high school, they make the mistake of teaching us that there are separate particles in atoms. There's a proton and a neutron and an electron. Well, there isn't. You know, there's places where the strength of the underlying field is a little stronger, like places where the fabric is twisted together a little tighter. But there's no separation anywhere. It's all one single field of energy. Um, the thing about the universe, though, is that it's fabulously complex. And that none of us, you know, individuals, can carry the complete pattern. We can be part of that fold in the cloth in one area. And that cloth connects us to all other individuals and all other events. But that doesn't mean we have to be aware of them all. You know, synchronicity is particularly interesting because the, the way to explain it is that we all live in multiple universes as well. String theory is telling us that we live in an infinite amount of probabilities at the same time, like right here in the room with you. And in synchronicity, it's not so much that we're causing the environment to change. We're moving ourselves by our thoughts and our emotions into alternate probable areas right where we are. We're aligning ourselves with different probabilities in the environment. Um, there used to be, you know, an old science fiction joke that, oh, we yeah, had this parallel universe next door, Elvis is still doing Vegas. Well, the funny thing is, we found out that the universe is a lot stranger than we thought it was. The standard model of physics now is telling us that these infinite number of probable universes actually do exist. The actual conservative physicists now are telling us that, yes, there is a universe where Elvis is performing in Vegas next door, and that there are an infinite amount of these probabilities, and probably every possible variation of our physical universe exists with us right now. And this is standard physics. Synchronicity, in the book, I've created an explanatory fiction. I've said, well, we are traveling in probability. Now, in astronomy, we say we travel in relative distances in time, like light years. We measure things in how long it takes to get someplace at the speed of light. I'm saying that we also exist in dimensions of probability. So, for instance, um, the distance in probability between me sitting in the chair and getting up and getting a drink of water is very short. You know, it's easy to do. The distance in probability of me being elected president in this cycle is, you know, might as well be traveling to another star system. Each one of us has some influence on how we travel in probability. It's that 5% influence. It's not, you know, an ultimate thing. We can't change the entire course of our lives on a dime. But we do tend to move into probabilities that match what we're thinking and feeling. And because some of what we think and feel is by choice, we can choose to direct our attention to the things that we actually want, not the things we're trying to avoid, we're trying to think we're afraid of, but the things we do want to see. And if we do that, 
they happen more often. And it's not that we're changing the universe. It's that we're moving ourselves in probability to places where, you know, the universe is more closely aligned with what we're thinking. Well, I guess is Dr. Kirby surprised. We're talking about synchronicity, the art of coincidence, choice, and unlocking your mind. If you have a question and you'd like to call in, you can do so at 508-996-0500, You can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, or you can jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And we have a question from the chat room. Dave wants to know that if, if we can affect our future with the thoughts that we put out, is it possible that people from the past, through the thoughts that they're putting out, could possibly be affecting us in the living here and now? Well, the thing is, there's different kinds of time. So in linear time, the stuff that we were taught in high school, cause and effect, experimental time, no. However, science is now telling us that we're not just stuck with linear time. Um, you know, there's 11 known physical dimensions now. There's different kinds of time. Synchronistic events are not based on cause and effect. They're based on meaning. It's like we are psychologically connected to the universe in a way that's not dependent on time and space as you normally think of it. And, you know, so if you think about it, if you can have a thought and it can change the environment, whether it's the toss of a dice or the way the clouds form pictures or the way the sand blows in the desert on the other side of the world, if you can monitor that, you're doing something that steps outside of cause and effect. It proves that part of you is not dependent on time and space. That's what synchronicity is actually about. You know, there are types of time that are not linear. If you're going to throw, you know, cause and effect out, then sure, anything is possible. The problem with synchronicity is that it reflects back to you whatever you think. So if your caller, for instance, wanted to look in the environment for synchronistic events that he could interpret as somebody in the past changing the present time, he would find them because that's what he's looking for. You know, I tend to try to be sort of imperialistic and scientifically oriented, and I can't think of any way to test the hypothesis that someone in the past is, you know, cause and effect changing present. There are some examples in the book where that appears to be happening, but you know there's no way, as far as I know to actually prove it. Well, it's kind of interesting that uh, this book is coming out at, at just the right time because, you know, Fox has that new television show, Touch, coming out uh, where I, I saw the preview when they aired it a, a few weeks ago and it shows the, the connections and the patterns between everybody. So it, it's definitely something that is more on people's minds these days if we can raise more awareness of synchronicity, then how will that affect all these synchronistic events that are happening? Well, let me change it around just a little bit. Because each person is sort of at the center of their own cloud of synchronicity all the time anyway. Mm -hmm. And the reflections that you generate do not interfere with the reflections anybody else generates. So, you know, five people in a room can be seeing completely separate sequences of synchronistic events based on their own thoughts and their own emotions. So they don't lock together as if, you know, they're exclusive to anybody. The, the really fascinating implication, though, is that people see the world based on what they believe and that the world responds to them based on what they believe. For instance, um, if you think back to the last time that you had a truly crazy guy on the show, 
someone who had like a really wild belief system um, that, you know, you wonder how can they possibly believe that and still be able to get up and get dressed in the morning. Dr. Surprise, he's sitting right next to me. Yes. <laughs> my co-host. <laughs> Sorry, well, go ahead. Well, the thing is, you know, people look out into the world and, you know, let's say you believe in religion X. When you look out into the world, the world reflects that belief back to you and that seems to confirm what you believe. So people shape themselves into all kinds of belief systems. And the thing is that they then act with other people based on that, not realizing everybody else has their own reality, too. So what I'm saying is that, you know, we look around and we have these different political, economic, spiritual, religious, you know, arguments going on. And that if we could realize that, you know, rather than the ability to determine what reality is being outside us, being dictated by some heavenly entity, we do it. It's our choice. And those people that believe what they believe, they are empowered enough to actually change their environment to reflect the way they think. And if they don't know that, then they go around thinking that what they're looking at is, you know, divinely commanded order of the universe. When in fact it's not the case. We're the ones that create this. We're the ones who determine what it means. You know, and, you know, my hope is that uh, people will realize that. I mean, the book gives people the ability to do this. You know, they're already doing it right now. And it also sort of forces people to confront why they think about the universe and the world around them the way they do. You know, and if you realize that, you know, all meaning is created by the perceiver. It's created by that supercomputer in your head. There's nothing innately meaningful in the universe. Okay? It's what that miracle between your ears decides it means. And, you know, I'm all for giving people choice. And that's what I've tried to do is show people that, you know, they're not at the mercy of synchronistic events or meaningful coincidences. They're not being created by something else to teach them a lesson or to have them do or be anything. They create it themselves. And once they realize that, it's just fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, you know, this is a heavy-duty thing. If you're in love with Star Wars, you can create entire mythological themes in your environment with Star Wars symbology. You know, the same way that, you know, a devout Christian walks through a Christian world, for instance, or a Hindu walks through a Hindu world that seems to reflect their belief. Anything you want to look for, the universe will oblige you and run that theme for you. Now, there's negative aspects to this, too. If someone has been abused and traumatized in childhood, for instance, they have a lot of patterns running in their brain of unresolved pain, guilt, you know, you know, things that people need therapy for. Those get projected as well. For instance, you ever have a friend who keeps getting into the same bad relationship over and over again? You know, why do they meet the same person? You know, the same person is going to be as abusive or as neglectful, you know, or be, have the same problems. Well, because their brain is tweaking the environment a little bit, and those are the people that come to them because those issues are still what the unconscious is thinking about. So we project a full spectrum all our internal processes on the environment. So, you know, some people have the I want to live, win the lottery fantasy, and what I tell them is, well, winning the lottery is a million to one, and synchronicity will give you a 5% edge on doing that. So do the math. 
It's not likely. You know, and I, I just want to say, too, that I don't see anything wrong with living in a, in a Star Wars world, at least not in this show. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, you know, if, you know, if you know that you're doing it by choice, that's my whole point, is that, you know, people who, people get lost in their own mess. You know, they get lost in the story they're telling themselves, and they forget that they're the one that's in charge of creating the story. I'm just kind of offering people a way to say, hey, you know, you have this almost godlike ability to change events in the environment, and it's yours, and it's your choice, and you could be having some fun with this if you wanted to. Well, one of the things that, you know, in, in talking about creating your own reality, one of the things that you discuss in the book, it's something I want to talk about here tonight, because I do think it impacts so much of what we talk about on the show on a regular basis, and that's the idea of tulpas or thought forms. I've started thinking a lot lately about how, in all the ghost research that I do and the, all the things that we talk about here on the program, that there's a very good possibility that a lot of these ghosts that we encounter are being created by those wishing to experience them. And, and that seems to be something that the tulpa idea would, uh, would suggest is possible. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, uh, well, for instance, thought, if you want to talk thought forms, you go back to hardcore, like, theosophy, which basically, you know, if you can believe that particular system, is basically saying that, you know, when people die, they don't stick around more than a couple of months anyway. The energy dissipates. That's the theory. So that why is a house wanted for 500 years? Well, it's because people are going there and dumping energy into it and looking for it. The same energy that is used to do that can also be used to steer people to synchronistic events and patterns. Um, the idea of thought forms is useful because it gives people a way to direct their own thoughts. You know, if you say... Well, work with your thoughts around creating this or that in your life. It's like, well, where, give me a thought. Where is it? Can you put it on the table? Can you pour me a glass of it? Thought forms are a way of saying, well, any thought can be made into a concrete, imaginable object. The brain deals in sensory information. That's what we're evolved to do. So a thought is an abstract thing. But if you think of, you know, a ghost, you, give it, you have a thought with a form. It has a human outline, it does this, it does that. It's a way of being able to work with individual thought. It's like having the object in your hand you can manipulate instead of something vague and invisible. So the value of systems of thought form creation, construction, utilization, is that they allow you to work with your own thought. And, you know, um, in the book I have a couple of examples of, like, creating thought forms other people see or or bump into. And I'm pretty convinced that almost every spirit encounter people report is something they create themselves. And I would have uh, argued against that. <laughs> I would have railed against that just a few years ago, but I'm starting to see more of, of exactly what it is that you're talking about. And I think, you know, that's something, that's a path that we can go down on a future show where we can talk more about the idea of thought forms and, and the creation of them. But, uh, uh, for tonight, I, I want to thank you, Dr. Surprise, for joining us and for being accommodating with the change in the schedule because of the Red Sox. Uh, again, that was a surprise to us. We didn't know coming into this that there was a game tonight. I should probably pay attention to RedSox.com, and then I might know. Being a sports writer, you would think you would already be. Yeah, it's not really my field of study. But uh, you and, and is there any chance, Dr. Surprise, that maybe with enough you know, enough concentration, I can create some synchronistic events in which, you know, the Red Sox can get their games over before we have to go on the air? <laughs> well, uh, 
you can try, and I'm sure if it happens, then you can claim responsibility. I will definitely do that. And five, 5% five is a good enough uh, probability for me that I could I could at least try. So, All right, the book is called Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. The website is howsynchronicityworks.com, and it's linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com if you want to purchase the book. And I'm assuming that you also have the book for sale through Amazon and in most bookstores? Oh, absolutely. All right, so uh, thank you very much for joining us. Dr. Kirby surprises his name. Again, the book Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Doctor. Thank you. All right, we look forward to talking to you in the future. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to conduct some science experiments right here in the spooky studio. We have an actual scientist here, so that helps. (laughs) But uh, then again, there's a lot of pseudoscience involved in what it is that we're going to be talking about with these experiments. So stay tuned. We'll be coming up with that in a few minutes. But while we're doing it, if you want to get involved with us and kind of try along at home, all you got to do is go into the kitchen, get a broom, get an egg, and get ready to open up your mind a little bit because we'll be showing you how it can be done. And we'll talk to you about why it can be done as well because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So stick around, and if you're listening on the radio, tune in on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com so you can actually see these experiments happening live. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. You're not to be afraid of. Step aside, I'll show you. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Oh, my! Oh, woe is me! All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. Sorry about I blew out your eardrums there, Moniz, but I switched over to a different seat here in the Spooky Studio because we're going to conduct some live science experiments here in the studio. We have an honest-to-goodness scientist with us. At least that's what academia calls him. Well, that's what work calls me. <laughs> but uh, we call him Moniz. We call him the professor. And uh, he's going to help us out a little bit with this discussion tonight because my son came home from school. He's in the second grade. And they were talking about in his class about extra gravity day and about how right now the Earth is experiencing extra gravity and that you can make a broom stand on its own. And if you're watching on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com or if you check out our YouTube archives later on, you can see we have a broom that's actually standing up on its own uh, in the middle of the studio here. And I'm going to reset that in a minute and show everybody how it's done. But the theory that people are talking about is that it has to do with solar flares, which we are experiencing some pretty significant ones as of late. Uh, Another theory is that it has to do with the alignment of the planets. Right now we have five planets that are in relatively close alignment with one another, so that that's supposedly causing extra gravity. Another theory is that it has to do with the moon. And another theory is that it's because we're so close to the vernal equinox that it's causing this shift in gravity, this extra gravity. Uh, but in actuality, Moniz, these these little tricks that we're talking about tonight can be done any time. Yeah. The idea behind it is is not so much a matter of gravity, but more of a an idea of balance, I would assume. Yeah, it's just finding the center point of balance on any object. You can do it with any object as long as you've got it just right. You're, I mean, it's not hard. But meanwhile, you know, Facebook is is blowing up with all these pictures of brooms standing on their own. It's it's almost like it's the new planking. 
Yeah. I, I broomed. <laughs> I was brooming today. But uh, it, it was really simple. And, you know, I, I, it took me literally like the first try to, to get it at my house. Uh, we're working on a carpeted floor here at the Spooky Studio, so it's a little bit harder to do than on a hardwood floor. But here we have just a regular plain old broom. You know, it's the one that I use in my house or that my wife uses. I don't clean the house. And uh, Moniz, you can give a little bit of a play-by-play here while I try to get it centered. All right. What he's trying to do is just get uh, center access totally balanced. I mean, as long as the bristles are flat on the floor and he uh, is able to get the weight centered both left and right, up and down on each of the axes, it will stand on its own, under its own weight, the force of its own weight being Pulled down by gravity. Now, the gravity that they're talking about, see, there you go. Is that magic? No. That's just isometrics, basically. Um, and all you're, all you're doing is just having the broom's own weight hold itself in place. And one of the other supposed tricks that you can do is that you can get an egg to balance standing straight up. And Moniz, if you, if you want to here, you can just, why don't you switch to this camera? The here. egg's a little bit harder. Uh, it, it can be done. It just takes a while to do it. Go ahead and switch right to this camera here. Okay. Hold that on. is the uh, the Logitech camera. Yeah, I got you. And here, you can be the Eggman, goo goo jube Goo-goo-ga-joob. And now, this, this is a little bit more difficult. This is uh, a lot more difficult. And part of it is, I think, too, that the egg is still a little bit cold yeah. from the refrigerator. And I, I, I feel like the coldness kind of causes the yolk to clump up and may cause uh, not, a little not bit extra weight. You also have, I believe this surface is on level and you got two people banging and leaning on, on the counter it's on, which is not going to help. But uh, by the time we're done, that egg will be scrambled. I hope not. I'm sitting next to it. <laughs> as long as we don't break it, I actually have to bring it home because we're low on eggs. But you know, these you've said that you've conducted this experiment before on yes. on the vernal equinox, uh, and, and, and I have balanced it. But it's and I've also done it on other days and done the same thing. It takes roughly the same amount to do. You know, it's not so much that you're, you, it'll only happen on the vernal equinox. It's just how patient you are to make the thing stand up on a level surface. You, like I said, you can pretty much do it with any object. You'd how long before, how long it will stay up? It may be another story, given its you know structural integrity and weight and things like that. But small, fairly light objects of a fairly regular shape should have a good balance point. But before, if you want to throw the live the wide camera back up, we can show people how the the broom is still standing on its own. I haven't done anything; no no tricks are at all involved in that. But one of the things we talked about off the air before we came into the studio was that if this was uh, a certain kind of gravitational pull, whether it be planet alignments, the moon, whatever, then it would be more than just brooms that you could do it with. You could do it with any kind of object that had even, you know, some degree of equal weight. You had mentioned quarters being able yeah. to stand up on their own. And, but I mean, I was trying it at home with, you know, a yardstick. I was trying it at home with a back scratcher, just different things. And I couldn't get them to have the same kind of effect is the broom and i think with the broom you have that base surface area larger surface area and you have a, a relatively lightweight and straight right pole up the middle of it so i don't know it's still pretty cool yep. though <laughs> no Shape matter what. does have something to do with it yes but like i said you can do it with any object you know for for a certain degree of time it will stand and then uh, it will eventually fall over the, the larger the weight, obviously, the faster it's going to fall over because the Earth is still moving. 
inertia still does take into a, you know, mm-hmm. st- still does take into play. And I can tell you, I have two different brooms at my house, and it wasn't working with the other broom, which didn't have these even bristles. It had more like the slanted bristles. Yeah. <coughs> so that's going to take the center of gravity off. So it's definitely an interesting science experiment. Have you heard of this before, Matt Costa? And uh, have you have you heard about anybody talking no, about it lately? No, no, I didn't. This is the first no, you've heard yeah. of it. This is amazing. You have brooms at work. I do. You're gonna go screw with people's heads? Probably not. Oh, <laughs> he's like, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Moniz can't go to work and do it because it's gonna kick off on a big debate of gravitational theory and Newtonian <laughs> physics and string theory and quantum entanglement and everything else. And that's just a regular lunchroom conversation. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to have an idea. Uh, I'd like I'd like for you to uh, you know record some of those conversations, and we can play them on the show and see if any of our guests or uh, if any of our listeners are, are able to keep up with it. It gets interesting, especially <laughs> you know. I don't know if a lot of listeners know. I, I've switched to a new laboratory. I work. Well, I'm not going to say which one, but it's a. Um, a very well-known pharmaceutical lab up in Cambridge. You know, in our buildings are intertwined with MIT and stuff like that. And let's just say he no longer just puts together various body parts of formerly living <laughs> humans. Now he's actually paid the big bucks to do the big boy job. Yeah. And uh, not not that what you were doing before wasn't uh, wasn't important, but you know what you're doing now is on a much bigger scale for a much, much more important laboratory. Much bigger. Uh, I mean, I. I cannot stress how big this place actually is. And now there's a significantly less chance that you are the crazy guy of the lab. I actually appear normal. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm going to have to come visit you at work and verify that statement. It's relative. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. All right, well, we are just about out of time for this week's show. We will be back next week. I'm not sure who the guest will be. Chris hasn't told me quite yet, but we will have an action-packed show, hopefully at our regular time. Pay attention to the Red Sox schedule, especially as we get here into the spring and summer months. But uh, we will talk more about when we're going to have that uh, pay-per-view event where you can help us raise some money for charity and we're going to let our hair down well you guys already let your hair down but i'll <laughs> let mine down too i'm the frank beard of this outfit that's for sure and uh we'll we'll have that pay-per-view event where we'll talk a little bit about our own selves off the air we'll have some fun we'll swear we do that a lot we'll drink we'll grill burgers and we'll play some music we'll have the evps perform too so oh that means people also get to see where i live no no we'll we'll sit by the beach, and we'll point the cameras the other way. Okay. That way there, nobody can recognize the house. I've already thought about this. Okay. The only thing we can't help is if the black helicopters come by and cause signal interference. Oh, no. I got the anti-aircraft missiles finally working. And nobody can come down there without permission anyway, because you will have the claymores armed and loaded. Always. All right. So how about how much time is left? Okay, so until next week, from Matt Costa, from Matt Moniz, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg, and we want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>